Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Kyle's Kitchen. All three locations in Goleta and Santa Barbara are open for lunch and dinner. You can safely dine in or you can do delivery or curbside pickup. Check out their GoFundMe campaign to help feed families in need at kyleskitchen.com slash givingback. During these uncertain times, Kyle and the Gauchos are doing their part to give back to the community. Also check out the Gauchos on social media, UCSB underscore baseball on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date with summer ball and all things that are happening in the gaucho program you can also follow the podcast ucsb gaucho 9 podcast on instagram and ucsb analytics on twitter sb baseball data all right today this is a this is a cool pod really excited about this one we had a lot of fun recording this and um i've got a co-host for the first time on the gaucho 9 podcast and be joined with max kelton from KCSB Sports. He was the sports director over there on campus. Uh, recently graduated, so he's moving on, but he uh, was thrilled to get the chance to, to come on this and, and talk some baseball. And today we're talking with three pitchers from the 2019 Big West Championship team, Chris Lincoln, Jack Dashwood, and Ben Brecht. And we recorded this before the basketball season had some, uh, some concrete stuff about what they were going to do, and it also was recorded before we confirmed that there would be a 60-game Major League Baseball season. So there's a couple bits in there about that that were uh, that all of us were a little uncertain about. But uh, we'll get into COVID preparations and mindset from the guys when they were doing quarantine, uh, their evolution from overconfident freshmen to refined veterans, the hound pound taking on leadership roles, and these guys really took the reins on their leadership roles. I had a, a really great time listening to the things that they said, um, and also their relationships as friends, how that produced strong connections on the field as teammates. So this one's a good one. This is Chris Lincoln, Jack Dashwood, and Ben Brecht with our co-host from KCSP Sports, Max Kelton. Let's get to it. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. Here's the one-strike pitching. Mitchell belts this to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. And Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Two pitch and a curveball is swung on him. In the score is two. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Midwest. All right, today we got a pretty fun podcast for you. We have four Gauchos, three of them players, three of them pitchers. They're all super tall except for one, and he's the guy who I'm going to introduce first. This guy is the host of the Up, Up, and Olay podcast. He works for KCSB. He's done a, a lot of great work as the director there. He, uh, I think he just graduated. That may have happened over the weekends. But Max Kelton, can we get an introduction from you, please, for the Gaucho 9 podcast? Oh, what's going on and welcome in. Um, hey, Kev, thanks so much for having me here. Uh, a total blast, no question. And you said there were three pitchers on this on this podcast, three players. Yeah, I played baseball in high school as well. Okay. And uh, I was on the mound. I was shooting a clean 59 miles per hour straight down the pipe. 
Uh, I got no movement on my curveball, and I could throw two pitches. So maybe I'm not up to their these guys' level, but uh, I'm I'm definitely a player myself. I I can throw some heat out there. All right, that that's good to hear. So maybe you can you can chime in on some of the pitcher conversation that we're gonna have here today. Um, well, Max, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, let's have some fun with these guys. So uh, the first guy I'm gonna introduce, he was. Uh, a starter and a closer. He made 61 career appearances. He's out of Moreno Valley. He had a 3.79 career ERA. He was fourth all-time in saves, and he was one shy of a single-season record last year in 2019. He had 13 saves. He was a second-team All-Big West 2019. Fifth-round pick of the San Diego Padres. Chris Lincoln, what's up? Kevin Cannon, how we doing? How you doing? Where where are you at? Are you in Santa Barbara? Are you in San Diego? I'm actually currently in Santa Barbara, but I'll be headed down to San Diego later today. Looks like he's in a gorgeous new Camry. <laughs> Chevy Impala, but close. Okay. <laughs> All right, next up, out of Wilmette, Illinois, uh, a left-hand pitcher who's got 17 career wins. He almost reached the 200-inning pitch plateau, fifth all-time in winning percentage, 739. He was a 10 game winner in 2019. Second team All Big West selection in 2019 as well. Fifth round pick of the Tampa Bay Rays, Ben Brecht, one of the Twin Towers. What's up, Ben? What's up, Kev? That's all you got for me? Just a what's up, Kev? Big old what's up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ben, thanks for joining us. He's uh, You're out in Chicago, aren't you? Yeah, I'm standing at home right now during. Uh pandemic Just waiting for baseball to get back all right next up out of san diego he was uh, also a left-hand pitcher one of the twin towers a nine and two record 2.48 career era he was a first team all big west selection in 2019 a 12th round pick of the los angeles angels from row please jack dashwood good morning everyone it's a pleasure to be here um, I'm very excited for this opportunity and all day Kel, I am offering pitching lessons during this quarantine. So if you want to okay. shape up that curveball, uh, $40 an hour. Listen, I, I need more than just the curveball to shape up, but I, I do appreciate the offer. I might take you up on that. I gotta, I gotta twist the arm a little bit more. It's gotta come down to my left leg. Okay. I'll teach, I'll teach you. I'll give you the, uh, magic, the magic powder. Okay, if that's if that's what you're gonna you're gonna give me Jordan's magic juice, and uh, if, if that that'll do it, I mean, that's all the secret I need, you know. Chris Lincoln, what what's happening with you in Santa Barbara? How have you been handling this quarantine? How have been how have you been uh, staying busy? Uh, honestly, dude, like just like every other ball player, I mean, just trying to work out in the best way that we can with all the gyms being closed down. But the fact that everything's starting to open up is uh, looking looking pretty good. But you know. The baseball side of things, we're all just trying to stay sharp and uh, make sure we're in shape for whenever we do get called back. It's happening soon? I mean, you know, it's hard for me to tell. Uh, we're all just, you know, trying to be optimistic and hoping and willing that everybody who's – whenever we do get called back, we're all going to be ready. I actually just talked to my coach from the Rays, and he told me that he thinks that next week – they'll have a date for us, a return date. And he said it'll be anywhere from like two weeks to a month from when they tell us. Seriously. That's that's just speculation, but I mean, I think it's a good, good source to hear it from. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's better, just, better than some analyst on Twitter. <laughs> well, the, the big, the, the hardest thing has been the, like, there has been no date. You know, we're, we're all baseball players and we're all built on structure and routine. And the past three months, it's been hard to find a routine. It's been hard to, to work towards, okay, I've got 30 days, I've got 20 days, I've got X amount of days to get ready for spring training or get ready for a season, like whatever it may be. So that's kind of been the, cha- the most challenging thing, at least for, for myself. But as athletes and as young athletes, you know, who have gotten a small taste of pro ball, Ben and Dash, like, what uh, what have you guys been trying to been doing as far as keeping like a routine or trying to build something that you guys can follow, just to keep you ready or in shape or just keep your mind from uh, keep it in your head, keep you from losing your mind. So, obviously, this time you have a lot more free time than you're expecting. All of us thought we we're going to be playing baseball right now, so. With gyms closed, it's kind of you got to be creative and you got to find ways to better yourself in a non-traditional sense. So, uh, I've been doing a lot of resistance band work. Uh, Tom Brady actually has a whole program. It's like the TB12 method uh, that doesn't require any weights, and it's uh, it's all based on like resistance bands. And so you just have to you have to kind of rip higher reps, um, and you don't get as much of a pump going. But I still like. I get a good workout in and then uh, also using the time to learn how to cook. So that's a, that's an important area that I know big dash has been dialing in for years now. Diet. (laughs) Yeah. Diet's important. Uh, It's important. And I've never been much of a chef myself. So this has been a good time for me to kind of pick that up and uh, learn, learn how to feed myself. You learn how to heat up hot pockets or what? Yeah, we're, we're skipping the pop tarts now. We're on to on to bigger and better things. Nice. Oh uh, yeah, just to just to bounce back on what Ben was saying, my my time has definitely been interesting, just because I think the biggest difference has been learning how to do new things, but for the same outcome. So the the everyday lifts that the angels provide usually when you go to a gym, that's you know. It, it's pretty standard of just grabbing some dumbbells or barbells and doing whatever exercise they want. And it's been pretty interesting during this time to think of new ways to get it done just because we don't have access to a weight room or a baseball field or whatever it may be. Um, so I, I've taken it personally as enjoyment. I think it's kind of fun to learn new ways to do the same thing. Um, and for myself personally, I just think that this time away from baseball has made it easier to stay compassionate and to want to keep going just for the love of the game that I have. Um, you know, if, I, if I'm if i stuck in a house every single day and my only goal is to throw baseballs into a net and then work out in my backyard just, just for the opportunity of playing baseball, then I'll do it with a smile on my face. I also think that this is a, this is a time that's really going to separate people. Like you're going to get, we're going to get back in whatever it is, two weeks or a month, maybe more. And, you know, we'll have been gone for three and a half months in weird circumstances that everyone's kind of in the same boat in. And so I think you'll see people pretty immediately, just like when you show up at spring training, it's like who was getting their work done and who wasn't. And I think it'll be pretty, pretty clear. And then it'll be an opportunity for people to 
separate themselves based on that. Link, you have anything to add? I mean, yeah, the main thing is that uh, obviously this has been very different for all of us. And we're all going through the same struggles. We've all had to try and figure out ways to get our work in in the most creative ways possible. And I think we've all done a pretty good job of that in our own little way. But, uh, yeah, I think Benji was absolutely right about that last part, that uh, this is really going to separate a lot of guys. And this has been a something that's just been different for everybody. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out on the other side and is, you know, better. Or, unfortunately, some guys probably will end up getting worse. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the guys that uh, really put the work in while the, uh, while the quarantine was going on. Yeah, Benji, you know, you mentioned that uh... – you mentioned spring training and like what mid mid to late February, we got pitchers and catchers reporting the spring training COVID hits first couple of weeks of, of March. So what happens next? What was your first impression of this COVID-19 virus? What do you think about it now? And uh, returning to baseball, if we will return to baseball this year and, uh, and, and just, I mean, the future of baseball in 2020. Yeah. I mean, when it was first coming down, because obviously we saw it unfold. It started, we first heard about it in whatever, January when it was in China and it was kind of burgeoning and starting to spread. I don't think any of us really thought it was going to affect our daily lives. Um, and even when it was starting to hit America and we were getting to spring training and it was starting to pick up a little bit, at least personally, I, I didn't think, I, I, I didn't even imagine the idea that we were going to get sent home. Um, was there any buzz around like with, with the rest of the players that were there? It really, it happened quick. You know, spring training is a busy time and we're all, you know, we're all focused. We're all, we're all focused on baseball. It's just kind of go, 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 go. And then like, I personally was taking classes as well. So I was, my mind was occupied. Like I wasn't, and yeah, I was following it a little bit, but I just, I couldn't even conceive the fact or the idea that this would be something that would put a stop to the baseball season. So it just wasn't, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a factor for me. And when it did hit, and the Rays were very – it happened quick. It happened literally within two days. We went from business as usual to we're sending you guys home uh, for two weeks and then you're going to be back. And when they told us that, I really – I was bought in. I'm like, okay. Like, they're, they're, they're confident that this is going to be a two-week deal. They told us, they're like, leave all your stuff here. Like, don't take any of your stuff home. So, like, all my plyos are stuck in Florida. Because, like, I really thought Ooh. that it would be two weeks and then we were going to be back. Obviously, that wasn't the case. We're sitting here three months later, you know, yeah. still at home. But, but at this point, I think, uh, you know, I think we're moving in a good direction, and I do think there's going to be baseball this year. And even if us as minor leaguers don't get to play a season, I think there's a good chance that we'll get to play uh, inner squads and against other teams that are have facilities locally, something like that. So I'm hopeful. When, when it all went down, I didn't really think – the how serious of what it's going to be now like I, I was pretty similar with Ben that I heard you know you guys will probably be gone for a couple of weeks and then we'll get this back going um so in the moment I kind of was just like all right whatever you know we'll, we'll be back soon it's all good and throughout this whole time it's definitely it's definitely been a good learning process for myself just because it really teaches you like the importance of patience and also the idea of the um, being process oriented versus result oriented. So I personally have taken the time just to keep my sanity and, you know, stay hopeful of baseball, just taking it day by day and just trying to stay in the moment. And 
when it comes back, it'll come back and I'll be ready for it. Um, but I think it's really honestly giving me a better appreciation of the, of the work that I've been doing here just for the overall picture of, you know, it's kind of like when you have something taken away from you when you're a little kid and you're like, Hey, I really want that back. But then you kind of have to like learn to appreciate and eventually you'll get it back. And that's kind of just the philosophy that I've been trying to take with this is whenever it comes back, I'll be stoked and I'll be ready. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely been an eye opening experience. Kind of like the, you don't know what it's ha what you have until it's gone uh, saying. And it's like, none of us have ever experienced anything like this, where it's like, we've never had like baseball and all sports on stop. Like we've never had to like not be able to go to restaurants when we want to. So it's like these things that we've just taken for granted for our entire lives, um, having them taken away, like it, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like it gives you a new perspective on it. And it's like, wow, like, that stuff is awesome and it's not. It makes you appreciate it more. Yeah. When all of this first started, like we got, we got down to spring training and uh, we had a little, you know, talks here and there about um, just staying safe, washing your hands, not, you know, they even tried to make us not like high five each other and do all those things like that. But none of us really took it as seriously as we obviously we should have once, you know, push came to shove, you know, a little bit later, but uh yeah, dude. I mean, it was everything has just been so wild, and it it moved so so quickly. Like the day before we got sent, like got sent back home, I literally had no no doubt in my mind that we were gonna be there, like all through spring training, and and season was gonna happen. And then you look up months later, and you know I haven't faced a hitter or done anything like that, or you know played a baseball game and longer than I think I have in my entire life. So it's, you know, all of this is just, it's so new to everybody, but staying in shape and, you know, staying ready is all we can really do. And all that's keeping us optimistic is, you know, the fact that we all love the game. We all share one thing in common and that's, you know, our, our passion for this. And we know that once things get back, it'll be guns blazing. It's wild that you're staying optimistic right now. It's so hard for me to stay optimistic. I love thinking positive thoughts, but there's so much to be negative about. You look at the NFL, what, Ezekiel Elliott just get, gets COVID. That's a terrible look for football. It's tough for them to come back. The NBA, they don't want to return either. They don't want those players in a bubble. MLB seems even further away. I mean, how do you stay positive right now? You, you seem to have a good attitude. Yeah, just knowing that uh, the brighter days are coming, you know. Just knowing that if we just we wait this out, time heals all. You know, the the longer, the, unfortunately, the longer we keep going about this, the closer we are going to be to a start date. Like no matter what, as long as we keep going, keep waking up the next day, we'll be closer to a start date. Whether whether we know when that start date is or not, we're still going to be closer. You know. Uh, well, I I mean in, I I guess, I guess I guess that's a good way to look at it, right? I mean, Jack, you were also talking about reflecting. Like if you think about this time for self-reflecting and for you guys, I mean, your entire lives has been revolving around baseball, right? This time, yeah. this this 3 4 months, it's been a lot of not baseball, a lot of uh, I'm I'm sure your mind is on a lot of other things. So, what's it been like self-reflecting on on things that are other than baseball, on on your on yourself a little bit more, having that time to think about uh, yeah, you know, you know, things that are other other than that that sport that you love so dearly. 
I think personally, I I took this time to kind of, I had a moment with myself one night where, I, this is going to sound really cliche, but you always hear that saying, like, it's time to marry the game. And one night I was kind of just talking with myself and I was just saying, like, you know, like, do I feel like I've married the game? You know, like, do I feel like I'm fully bought into every single aspect of what can make me the best baseball player I could be? And my honest answer was no. I told myself, like, you know, I've always been a hard worker in the weight room. I've, I've, you know, ups and downs with nutrition. And something that I am so terrible at that anyone can attest to is my flexibility. Um, And so I kind of had that moment and I was kind of looking in the mirror like, dude, I got one shot at this thing. Like, I I need to put in everything – put all my eggs in one basket, you know? And so part of my self-reflection is I, on top of, you know, eating clean and working out is I've gotten really big into stretching and working on my flexibility. And part of what I've been doing is been stretching about an hour. Yeah, exactly. Been stretching about an hour every single day for these past couple of months. And it is amazing how great I feel outside of just, the benefits of what I think it will bring me for baseball, just the, that mind body connection when you're in the moment and just kind of like that idea of mindfulness, um, which I think with everything going on, having, having that feeling of being in the moment and that feeling of relaxation and also in the back of your head, that picture of like being on the mound with thousands of people in the, uh, in their chair and, I don't know. It's just been really cool. It's definitely it's cut it's kept me going and do you, I think uh, the do coolest you meditate? part of it I do. Yeah. And I think I think the coolest part of it all is that all these all these scenarios that you picture in your head are eventually gonna happen and there's always more to be done. So, you know, hey, let's say I can touch my toes easily. It's like that's sick. Now let's get your hands flat on the floor. And it's just it's just like creating goals for yourself but like taking it day by day working towards that goal has definitely kept me with my own self-reflection you know positive i just want to address uh what kelt asked lincoln before about how you guys are staying positive when there's so much negativity um and to that i just want to say i mean you're talking to three dudes who are literally living out their childhood dreams right now (laughs) Okay. That's yeah. so interesting. <laughs> playing professional baseball, like our lives are good. Like, put things in perspective. There are people right now that can't get food because they're 80 years old and they're scared of going to the grocery store because they don't want to get COVID. Like, we're we're living at home. Me and Dash got to finish school during this time. I'm collecting a paycheck for sitting on my butt. Like, they, things are good, man. Um, and yeah, it's not perfect, but when you really put things in perspective, like we're, we got it good right now. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of negativity, but I don't think it's hard for us to find, uh, you know, things to rally around. All right. So we've been, we've been serious for this, for this first part. And I want to, I want to get to some fun stuff because I like staying positive as well. And I've been trying to stay positive as much as I can. And I'm just like, like all three of you and especially and some of the things you said, Dash kind of hit home with me, like being mindful um, and, and finding ways to better yourself each and every day. Um, you know, one of the reasons. Hey, can I add, can I add one? 
Absolutely. Can I add one thing that I Absolutely. think, uh, I read this quote from Bruce Lee and yeah. when his, uh, 60 for 60 documentary just came out, but 30, one of his 30, quotes, isn't it 30 for 30, 30, 30 for 30. 30, for 30 <laughs> sorry. Excuse me. 90, that part out. 60 um, feet, six inches by 60 feet, six inches. <laughs> but one thing I was going to say is that he has a quote that stuck with me. It's flow like water. And he basically just talks about how like water takes any shape or form, no matter where it goes, you put it in a water bottle, it'll perfectly form into that water bottle. And that's kind of, that's kind of like the philosophy that I've been trying to live by during this whole, you know, during this whole experience is sometimes I'll just kind of, and I'll say it like in a jokingly kind of laughing way, but I'll just kind of be like, well, like water, man, you know, just do what you got to do. That's excellent. And what's, what's with the highlighter, Jack? You you got uh, a highlighter in hand. Did you, did you did you like write down a whole bunch of notes before this? And I got my real estate oh my investing God. book ready to read after this. <laughs> I have that. I have the that book. It's in my room. It's it's on my bookshelf right behind me. The the bigger pockets. Not to yes. plug bigger pockets or anything, but yeah, real estate investing. That's oh, yeah. it's, it's a good train to be on, gentlemen. You know, it's a good train to be income. on right now. Day trading. Day trading is supposed to be hot. This could be a good time oh, for yeah. it. <laughs> I can ben see Benji that. getting into it. Yeah. Ask Ben about uh, Benji, how, how we how we doing with your day trading? Doing good. Uh, it's been a nice <laughs> couple months. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about 2019. Because you three were the leaders on the staff, the Hound Pound, whatever you want to call it, and I want to start with Link because. You had a tough transition to go through right at the beginning of the year. You were probably slated to pitch on the weekend and be a starter, but Coach Chex came to you and asked a favor to, to move you to the pen and, and close out games. And I talked to you, I interviewed you, I think, at, after the first maybe couple weeks of the season uh, about what that was like mentally and physically for you. Could you go through how, how it was for you last season where you were anticipating being a starter, but you wound up being a closer? Yeah, I mean, uh, literally throughout the entire fall and uh, and winter, uh, I was building up to be a starter. I always thought that was what I was going to do. Um, you know, the three of us had came into the year, pretty much came into school. As freshman, freshman year. <laughs> yeah, our, when we're juniors, like, we are going to be the ones. Like, we're, like, we're going to be electric on the weekends. Like, we're going to be the best staff in the country. And, uh, yeah, and it looked like that was going to be the case up until about four days before the season started. And uh, we were going into our meetings to figure out uh, which, uh, which day we were going to throw on. And that was literally all I was thinking about. Like, all right, which day am I going to throw on? I got to call my mom after this and let her know, like, so she can, you know, take off work on whatever day is necessary and stuff to come up on the day that I was, you know, slated to pitch. And uh, I go into my meeting and, and, and you know, checks drops the news that uh, he wants me to close. And at first, obviously, I was blown back by it. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for it at all. But uh, once you get in the game, uh, once that first LMU game came uh, and I was in in the sixth or fifth or sixth or whatever, whatever the case was, and it was just pitching, you know, it didn't matter what inning it was it didn't matter who was in the box it was the same 60 feet six inches and I had to get guys out whether it was the first inning or the ninth and that was the way that I looked at it from that point on through the rest of the year I just really tried to take that closer role in stride 
and just know that whenever Chex was handing me the ball at the end of the games, he wanted me to be the guy to finish that game. And so I took a lot of pride in that. And, uh, yeah, I tried to do that to the best of my abilities. Okay, and Jack, so you guys all three came in together. You guys were in the same class. But freshman year, elbow goes wrong. You have to have Tommy John surgery. And you don't pitch until 2018. But what did that surgery and the recovery process and having some bumps in the road teach you about about pitching and about preparation and really all the stuff that you kind of already talked about with this break, I think it all applies, but like, what did that teach you? Yeah, my, my surgery was a blessing in disguise. When, when that happened, I, you know, I was crushed and I was just really bummed out that, especially for my experience of my recruitment with UC Santa Barbara, I had been committed to Santa Barbara for years. So when I had showed up freshman year and wasn't able to throw one inning in the fall, it was, it was pretty rough. Um, but when I had that surgery, it, it definitely taught me a lot about myself. I, you know, in high school, I was, I was pretty used to just being the guy. And then after going through that surgery, I kind of had to learn, like, I had to re rebuild myself from scratch. Um, and the, the rehab process itself was really smooth. My physical therapist, Bill Oakley, was awesome. He, I think he really, one, not helped me physically, but two, kind of mentally of telling me like, you know, you got this when you go back. Um, and unfortunately when I came back, I, I didn't have the year that I wanted. And I think part of that was just from my own insecurities and fear of one being nervous and two, the, the idea of like, you know, you just gone through a devastating injury. Um, so that was always in the back of my head too. But I think from what I had learned from that 2018 season of coming back from Tommy John has been the biggest blessing in disguise for what it helped me leap into for the following year and just what I've learned about myself and not, and just that idea of dealing with failure has really propelled me forward. All right. And Ben growing up in the Midwest and from what I understand, it was kind of a, like you always wanted to come out and play ball in California. And like from when Santa Barbara first approached you, it was kind of like, I'm in. But what was it like? What was it like? What was the process like for you growing up in the Midwest and then coming out to California and why Santa Barbara? Yeah, so a lot of the stereotypes uh, are true in the sense that the baseball out here is not as good as it is in Southern California, which I'm sure you all know about. Uh, and so the result for me was that I kind of grew up in a baseball bubble where I was always the best player. You know, I just dominated pretty much everyone I faced all through high school. And uh, like, yeah, I was good, but I wasn't like as good as I thought I was. And the result was uh, my ego was really inflated. So when I got to school, um, I definitely had some lessons to learn. I didn't, I didn't know how to work hard. Um, I thought I was better than I was. Um, you know, I just had the wrong attitude about a lot of stuff. And, you know, it all kind of came crashing down, uh, you know, and I had to learn the hard way on a lot of different stuff. But what brought just, you down to earth? Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just a whole 
whole slew of experiences, saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, uh, acting the wrong way, and then kind of learning the hard way because of it. Um, you know, whether that was from the coaches, the older guys. And I, I, the thing is, just like Dash is saying, that was a complete blessing in disguise. Like, it was the most painful year of my life, like, without a doubt. But if that didn't happen, I would still be thinking the way I was, you know, four years ago, which was wholly unproductive and wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go. So it was, it was extremely important for me to go through that. And it was a humbling experience, man. It was, it was really, really humbling. And then kind of that sophomore year, thought I'd, thought I'd, gone through all my humbling experiences and figured it out but then kind of had another year of that which again was a blessing in disguise and then just like dash was saying set me up for that third year because at that point i did know how to work i did know how to do the right things you know i understood the process and that's what allowed me to have success my junior year i mean i i, I know you guys you know for the past couple of years you're you're some fun-loving guys, some gentle giants, but, you know, the other teams, they don't know that, though. You get out there, I can only imagine what they're looking like. It's a, it's a Friday game. Benji Biceps gets on the mound. He puts in eight <laughs> innings of work. Do you guys have – did you ever have a plan between each other in terms of, you know, up in that, that intimidation factor or doing something to get in the heads of the other teams, all of, all of you guys together, whether it was hound pound, whether it was you guys getting on the mound and then doing something, looking at the batter the wrong way? I think, I think the hound pound definitely, you know, it was pretty funny because Ben would pitch on Fridays. And so for me, I, I was the one that got to get a little taste of what the other team was like. And Ben was kind of, you know, the guinea pig that, would dominate each week but the the hound pound was really fun because it let you kind of have that loose feeling of one you know like maybe not saying the nicest thing to the other teams but just trying to get in their head and like do anything possible so that we get the advantage and I thought that that was really cool because Friday I'm in the hound pound Sunday I'm in the hound pound but Saturday I was in my own world so Friday and Sunday, you know, like I'm having fun, I'm, I'm doing my thing. But when when it was my when it was my time, you know, to pitch, it was, it, there wasn't really much that I'd be thinking about. But it was kind of cool because those days after I'd pitch is kind of when you just let loose and, I don't know, just like have fun with your friends and the chemistry just works so well that when it was your time to pitch, you just knew that you had the right guys behind you and on your side, which just made it easier to go compete. Okay. Who, who yeah. started the hound pound? Link. Oh, wow. That's, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think cheddar Bob, uh, yeah, I think it was came up with the nickname, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. And that's Grant Newton, who was a pitcher for us last year, who provided a ton of great banter. In uh, in the hound pound, but uh, great chirps. All, I think I think the hound pound really helped us all. Like, not I shouldn't even say come out of our shells, but just be together as like as one staff. And the hitters had their thing. They had the the Galita Masters. Their their little persona that they uh, that they took on every time they stepped on the you know stepped on the field. And the pitchers we had our we had our pound. Like we had our guys with us. Like every time it seemed like we were going to war, every single game. 
and it was us against them and we were always betting on us like no matter what the situation was we were all 100 percent confident in each other that's why dash can say you know he could be in the hound pound friday and sunday but on saturday it was his you know it was his time to go and especially for like the relievers we trusted all of our starters 100 percent every single time they took the ball just like we knew every time they were coming out the game they trusted us to come in and finish the job you know so uh yeah, the Hound Pound wasn't just, like, us. I mean, it, it was a lot of just us harassing the other team and, you know, doing what we needed to do to get the get the upper edge mentally. But it was also just a band of brothers that went out there and really believed in each other and were trying to just be successful together. It really was amazing. And like, like you said, it was it, – it was definitely – there was definitely the aspect of getting in the other team's head, you know, and blowing off some steam, blowing off some steam at the end of the dugout, getting the competitive juices flowing. But like you said, Chris, I mean, it, it was like uh, a way for us to unite as a group of pitchers and really, like, be one. And it, it, it was like uh, – it was just a way that – I mean, we were already such a tight-knit group, but we just got so much closer because we had that persona and because we were we were the hound pound. And so it was, it was, it was amazing to be part of that. Okay, where did the towels come from? So the idea of the towel, I got this great picture. <laughs> thanks thanks papa dash thank you no the there's this one picture i have of a, i don't know it might have been a sunday and all the pitchers are at the end of the dugout with waving their towels they're, 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 i think the towels are like draped over their heads maybe it was a hot day i don't know but i noticed it a bunch where the towels are out and the pitchers have them was is that just is that me missing something or was that a thing <laughs> Honestly, Cannon, it was honestly it was probably a hot Sunday. We were in our go for it. We were just looking for for an extra edge and trying to you know just trying to not be hot, man. So one guy probably went in there and grabbed a towel, and then us just being Hound Pound members, everybody else one and one. And yeah, that's how you get a lot of those a lot of those great pictures that you see on social media. The guys at the end of the dugout, that was just us improvising, you know, like just it wasn't even. None of it was scripted. Obviously, it was just us going out there, having fun with each other, enjoying being at the end of the dugout. Because, you know, oftentimes, like, a lot of pitchers can just get lost in translation throughout a game. But, you know, the Howland Pound, we, we took pride in being middle-inning warriors and, and, you know, going out there and finishing the end of games and things like that. Like, all the little things, picking pitches, all the, you know, all the stuff that not every pitcher really, you know, wants to, to be a part of. Like, not, not everybody I can pitch – not every guy can pick pitches – just because it's, you know, it's tedious. Like, it's not easy. But if you got a full hound pound full of guys who are picking pitches, next thing you know, one guy does get something. We're all sending it in. This is why we're all, you know, you get some of those videos of, like, us yelling and, and all this other stuff. It's just us having fun. It was just, you know, it was – that's literally what it was. It was just us, a bunch of guys at the end of the dugout having fun. All right, thanks for clearing that up. Now, that I needed, I needed that. Thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I'm curious about the uh, the dynamic last year because you know the, your your first couple of years, you guys said it was a little little more difficult. You it was humbling a little bit. Uh, a, a batting specialist come in and and, and coach uh, Donegal Fergus, Matt Fontino was also there. They were able to focus on the batters, and then you have somebody who specializes in development for pitchers. You got Coach Checks and uh, Dylan Jones also who were focusing with you guys. So what did that dynamic do? Uh, last year with 
the banners kind of separated from the pitchers and checks and DJ able to focus on you guys. How does it help evolve your game, prepare you for the next level? Going into junior year, the, the step that we took into analytics, I had never really known much about it, but just with how Santa Barbara's program is now with it, you know, you kind of have to learn about it. And it was really cool that, um, you know, Coach Checkets and D Jones and when Evan Short was there and all the other assistants that were helping out, spending more time at the field than we were, the plans that they came up for us, learning that, you know, we're all individualized pitchers, you know, maybe uh, ben, Ben's curveball is different than my curveball, so he should throw it in a different, you know, different count than I should. But learning the the aspects of like what our pitches do specifically and then working on that. Um, so for myself personally, I learned like, you know, I should be a guy that throws fastballs inside when my whole, my couple years before the philosophy was kind of just like low and away, you know? And so I think that approach that we took with the analytics really gave me a better idea of how to just pitch in general. And um, you know, DJ and Coach Checks and all those guys just like one believing in us and two like giving us the freedom to go and do that. I think helped give you know give us the most success. Yeah, I think to add on to that, obviously it was a very different dynamic. Um, like we had Matt Harvey for the first two years, and then that third year is when Dylan Jones stepped in uh, when Matt went to UC San Diego, and it, it was definitely a different vibe. I mean. You mentioned more freedom, which I think was part of it. Um, but I mean, Harvey played an integral role in all of our development in the sense that like, we talked about those, those learning experiences that we had, those hard lessons we had to learn. I mean, that was, I, I learned so much because of Matt Harvey, not because like stuff that I necessarily wanted to learn, but stuff that I needed to learn in terms of mental toughness, learning how to work, being on the right stuff. Um, and so that's, just kind of got drilled into my head over those first two years and then by that third year and then he left and then they kind of took the reins off Dylan's obviously a more laid-back guy still very very knowledgeable but he's he's more of a more of a player's coach in a sense and because we had those first two years with Harvey our routines our work ethic was already set we we were ready to go and then when they pulled the reins off a little bit and Dylan just got to kind of you know, help us out, but like be our friend too. Like we were, we were ready for that. And then we were able to elevate and meet the challenge of, you know, coming out that year and showing how hard we could work and showing how many games we could win. Yeah. I mean, if I could just add one more thing, if I could just add one more thing, (laughs) I think, uh, sorry. Come on, Link, get in there. But (laughs) D Jones, D Jones, not only like made us, you know, our, we had a great work ethic that I think what Ben was saying that we got from Harvey and just learning as freshmen, but D Jones really expressed how great of pitchers we individually were. I remember every, every pregame bullpen or even just playing catch or like in between dugouts, he would always use positive reinforcement that I would use for myself. And, you know, I mean, ultimately that matters is like, what you believe for yourself, but hearing someone else tell you like, Hey, keep pumping it in on their hands. Like they can't handle it. It kind of just like tells you a little bit like, yeah, you know what? He's right. Like I'm going to keep pumping it on their hands. 
And so I think that was another great thing that uh, he definitely contributed for having a great year. He was, he was the perfect coach for that group in the sense that, like you're saying, like he's, he's a mentality dude and he knew the right things to say. He knew how to, how to motivate us as a group, how to, how to talk to us as individuals. And that was, that was huge. Obviously when we all first came in, uh, we did not uh, make Harvey's job the easiest. We, uh, you know, he definitely had to police us all the time and make sure we were on top of everything. But that was just because we were a bunch of, you know, young 18 year olds just coming into college, trying to learn how to, you know, handle getting to class and being at practice every single day and handling the, you know, everything in IV and whatnot. And so, yeah, we, we, we made Harvey's job pretty tough, but he definitely, uh, he definitely was a big part in all of our development. Like he, install or instilled that you know work first mentality into all of us so it became so second nature to us junior year that d jones was able to just focus on the pit he never had to tell us hey you guys need to work harder it was all about pitching everything you know everything was pitching oriented it was in and another thing obviously he made you know he made us feel like we were the best staff in the country before we had even played a game like he kept, he kept drilling it into us. Like you guys are the best. We're going to be the best in the big West. We're going to be the best in the country. Like you guys need to know it. I believe it, you know, and we're going to go out there and do it. And that confidence that he gave all of us along with all the hard work that we knew we had put in is what I think really contributed to such a successful season for the staff. All right. So on the 2015 staff podcast, we talked about pitcher catcher relationship Talked about Campbell Ware a lot and how great he was with those guys with Bieber, Tate, and Hockamay. So you guys had you guys had a slice of Dempsey Grover, and then and then you had Eric Yang. And you know we we know what what Yang can do at the plate, but what was it like pitching to Eric Yang? Well, and not to I'm going to be remiss if I don't say Tiro because Thomas Rowan he caught a lot of your games too. So what was it like throwing to those guys last year? Uh, yeah, I mean Yang obviously is a brother came in with us um so us four were all coming in together and we all you know came up and learned together so just like we started at the bottom yang started at the bottom and then we all kind of rose to the top and that junior year was like the culmination of three years of hard work and obviously i mean personally i yang is the best catcher i've ever thrown to in my life but it's more than that because we have that relationship that brotherhood that comes from from starting where we started and then ending ending up in that junior but we already had that connection so it was it was just amplified even more so i think and i think all of all of us would agree on this is that like you're talking about with the pitcher catcher you need to have chemistry and and it doesn't just happen overnight you know it happens happens over time through going through experiences together and i mean Yang is an exceptional dude, and it was just amplified. That pitcher-catcher relationship was so good because we had had all those experiences together, all those hard times, and all the honestly, all that losing that we we developed, we calloused our mind. We were so tired of losing that we were just ready to break out that junior year, and we obviously did it. Obviously, that you know, the relationship that we all had with Yang made things just so much easier on us because all of us had you know big games that we had to pitch in and big moments that we had to pitch in and just having a catcher back there that you know 
if you know Yang, you know how, you know, low-key he is and how calm he is in every single situation, no matter what. I don't think I've ever seen a guy get mad at anything on the baseball field in my life. And I applaud him for that. But, uh, yeah, just knowing that he's he's back there with you, you know, 100%, like, each pitch he's making with you, like, and you can just trust him. He's calling the game. Like, this guy really knows what he's doing back there. It's just having another, you know, it's literally like having him up there with you on the mound. Like, just always, you know, he's a baseball mind. So, you can trust the guy when he's behind the plate. Just like, I, you know, I've heard how a lot of, uh, a lot of Cardinals guys aren't allowed to shake off Yachty, like, Shaking off Yang is, you know, is just something that you don't really want to do because you just never know what, you know, what the outcome might turn up just because you know that he's a baseball mind. He's a smart catcher. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. And, uh, yeah, it was – that just made things so much easier when you get into those big situations, just knowing you've got a catcher with you, like, who knows what he's doing. He would come out and talk to me, like, in these, in these you know, big situations, the ninth innings all this other stuff. And, you know, it's still just me and Yang. It's still just the guy that I came in with, you know, when I was a freshman and, you know, one of my closest brothers now. So like it, it everything helped just having a catcher who was so talented, so, you know, so smart behind the plate, really knew what he was doing. He could really handle a, a pitching staff. I was just going to add on to it. Um, let, let alone from Yang being a, a phenomenal catcher. He was also just a phenomenal friend, just, you know, always good vibes, always a smile on his face, and I think that that would translate onto the, onto the, um, you know, on the field. And he just his understanding of baseball and being able to, you know, he would call games last year. Like we would start off by you know, Coach Check, it's telling him what to what to call, and then just uh, his his understanding of the game let him start calling pitches on his own. And it was kind of just like what Ben was saying about that pitcher-catcher chemistry that, you know, I'm on the mound and I'm thinking like, oh, Yang, call us, please call a slider right now. And then Yang's throwing down slider. And it's just because, like, of his awareness. And uh, um, outside from that, just who he is as a person and how, you know, he's he's a straight shooter. So if you're struggling on the mound, he would come up to me and just be like, dude, quit playing with your food. Like, let's, let's, let's go home, you know? And so it was, it was really nice to have a catcher like that, that one was like on your side, but then even when you leave, even if you left, you know, leave the baseball field, the second that you leave, he's still like one of your good friends with a smile on his face. And it was, it was, you know, pretty special. You know, um, I, I know that Eric Yang played a pretty, a pretty important role in the success last year, but it wasn't just Eric Yang. I feel like 21 is that, that prime year for college baseball. When you get to senior year, it might be one year too late for some of those guys. Not for guys like Tommy Jew or Thomas Rowan. Um, I think that they were, they were a big part in your team last year, especially in terms of the leading aspect of it. We called Tommy Jew the glue because he held everything together. Um, you know, guys, guys that, that were maybe just one year older than you, but still played a big role in captaining that team and leading that team. What was their effect on the last year? The seniors that we had on our team were, you know, obviously they were, they were, they were the elders and they were, they were the guys who looked over the thing and you respect these guys automatically because they're older than you. And because of the things that they've done, they were, you know, part of the college world series team. Like these guys, you have to respect everything that, and, you know, we had Kevin Chandler who was the best guy picking in the, you know, in the, in the, in the dugout. Like he was one of our, you know, most, 
most critical Hound Pound members because of his experience, all of the things that he brought to the pound, to the staff, to the team. You know, he, all of our seniors were so critical in, in, you know, those guys really were really the anchors on that team. Yeah, they, uh, uh, let alone from Thomas Rowan and Tommy Jew, all the seniors had had their own experiences that transitioned into them caring about the team so much because they had, they had been a part of something really special when they went to Omaha. And then we had a couple years of, you know, not doing so great. And then they were the ones that had been through it before. So they were all, you know, Kevin Chandler before every game would be gather us up in a circle and just kind of like have everything would always be the right thing that he would say. And let alone with all the seniors, like they had just been through the experiences. So they were just guys to like lean on and just trust, you know? Yeah. I mean, Chan, uh, Tommy, and then Patty, Patty, the central, uh, <laughs> the hound pound. My God. Uh, Alex Patterson. Alex Patterson. Uh, but yeah, just, just like you guys are saying, I mean, the experiences that they had that they were able to kind of impart on us were crucial. And especially with, uh, Chan. I mean, I think we all learned just so much from Kevin Chandler and he, he, the intangibles that he brought to that 2019 team are, are, it's like you, you wouldn't, we know because we like we're in the locker room with him. We see him all the time. Like the stat sheet's not gonna ju- not gonna show how much of a key role Kevin Chandler played on that team. It's like he he just brought some amazing uh, chemistry and leadership. Okay, so amongst the three of you, and particularly Dashwood and Brecht, because in when we were in Tulane. Uh, down in New Orleans last year, I, I interviewed you guys before each start or after each start. I don't remember exactly, but I asked you like, how do you keep it competitive between yourselves? And Jack, you mentioned it earlier, like Ben goes out there on Friday and you get to have a little taste of what the hitters are going to be like, but Ben's like the guinea pig, but you guys kept it competitive amongst yourselves. And I think and I'm not exactly quoting here, but when I talk to you after Ben's start, you're like, yeah, whenever Ben goes out and he gets like 10Ks, I go up to him and I'm like, okay, watch me. I'm going to get 11. So how are you guys competitive with each other, even though you're pitching on different days in different games? Like how do you keep it competitive? So one thing that I really appreciated about last year is not only would I say that every now and then to Ben, but Ben would say that to me. <laughs> ben would come and, you know, shove it <laughs> – he would pitch very, very well. And then every single time, he'd always come up to me and say, outperform me tomorrow. And in my head, I was thinking, I know. But it, it was really cool to, like, see see how amazing Ben would pitch and then come up to me and basically, like, pass the, pass the baton and be like, all right, now it's, do better than what I just did. And so it was always cool because it was never, like, there was never an expectation. It was always just like the bar was set so high that you, even if you're amazing, it almost felt like you didn't reach that standard just because we knew how much talent we had. Ben and I have had – he's one of my closest friends. And just outside of being teammates, I think the relationship that we have together really made it special for being a Friday-Saturday duo. Yeah. 
Yeah, no question. And um, I mean, coming in together, we were two big lefties. And so naturally there was going to be some competition, but me and Jack have always been friends first. And I think that's what's allowed us to, you know, to get to that point where it's like, we really, we really have always wanted the best for each other where it could have been, it could have been contentious. It could have been, well, you're pitching on Friday and I'm not pitching or you're pitching on Friday and I'm pitching on Saturday, but it was never like that. It's like, yeah, we're competing against each other, but we really, we really wanted to elevate each other and see each other perform at our best um, more so than to outperform the other. It wasn't about beating the other person. It was about elevating the other person, whether that's in the weight room, whether that's in sprints, you know, whether that's by doing mobility, literally all of it. And then, you know, the result is that, and it's, it's chemistry and leadership and a lot of wins. So I'm proud. I'm proud to be Dashwood's friend and teammate for life. Yeah. All right, Link. So from the outside perspective, looking in on these two guys, like what, what kind of things did you draw from them or what did you see be, uh, from their relationship from, you know, being in a bullpen or just being a teammate? Like what did you see between them? Yeah. I mean, I got to, uh, watch the both of them grow so tremendously throughout, you know, throughout our time here. Uh, you know, Dash had to, you know, overcome one of the toughest injuries in sports, you know, and come back, you know, to come back his junior year and, and, and obviously light it up and, and be one of our best arms. And then, you know, Benji watching him uh, transition from, you know, even, even in his words, you know, like a, like a big headed, like, you know, 18 year old just coming in and learning how to really work hard and, you know, me watching him, you know, get, get that over time, you know, like watching him crush it in the weight room and, and all these things they are starting to add up and you're starting to dice it and, you know, it's starting to pick back up for him and the same thing for dash. And uh, yeah. So when, when junior year came around and uh, those guys were uh, going out on every Friday and Saturday and obviously just dicing up everybody that we, you know, that we ran against, uh, I wasn't surprised by it at all. You know, I'd watched the, both of these guys grow. So, you know, so immensely that I had nothing but confidence in the both of them. And, you know, every time they stepped on the mound, it, it was, it was fun for the guys in the pin. Cause we knew that, you know, we're going to get a quality start of both of these guys. We just got to come in and do our job when it's time, because, you know, they're, they're two of the biggest competitors I've ever, you know, been around in my life. So just watching them, you know, not only compete against, the other team, but in a sense, compete against each other on Friday and Saturday and see who can really one up each other. And then having a young guy like Rodney on Sunday, who, you know, what is watching these two dudes go at it on Friday and Saturday and, you know, trying to go out there and punch out more guys than the other, you know, give up less hits or whatever the case may be, you have less runs. Uh, that helped him. You know, he obviously had a phenomenal year, but it's, you know, it's hard to imagine that he can be that comfortable on Sundays you know, without watching these two dudes go out there and really show, you know, show them what it looks like on Friday and Saturday. Like they were professional about it. They went out there, they, you know, handled their business NIV in the weight room throughout the entire week. And you understand why on a Friday for Benji or on a Saturday for Dashwood that they went out there and diced so consistently. You know, I think it's interesting too, because you guys were some of the older guys on this team and you were definitely uh, some mentors for the younger pitchers on, on, on your squad, you know, I only imagine Dash and Brecht looking over, you know, a guy like Rodney Boone and Chris, I imagine you looking over a guy like Michael McGreevy. What was that like kind of trying to, you know, 
get those guys into this program, teach them the ways uh, that, that uh, of development at UC Santa Barbara, what you guys did so well over your first couple of years, just pass that on to the next generation of ballplayers. Yeah. I mean, luckily, uh, luckily we just had some, you know, some good, uh, some good freshmen come in that uh, were very willing to learn from us. Cause you know, when we came in, we weren't the easiest freshmen to deal with, you know, like we, <laughs> we were big headed, we were ranked and all, all this other stuff. But uh, yeah, guys like Grevy came in and made, you know, my job so easy as like a leadership, you know, a leadership role in the bullpen. And guys like Rodney made Dashwood and Ben's job so easy, you know, with uh, just trying to teach him how to be a starter and stuff, just because they were able to just go out there and show him what it looked like. And he just, you know, tagged right along. He just followed them in the weight room, on the field, all, you know, in, in IV, all of those things. And, you know, I tried to, I tried to do my best to, you know, be on the field, uh, you know, mainly on the field, uh, a leader vocally, because a lot of guys aren't, you know, aren't vocal, you know, they're not vocal leaders. They, they choose not to be vocal. They choose to, you know, go about it in a different way. But me, I've got a little bit bigger of a voice and, you know, so I just tried to, uh, I tried to uh, take that in stride and, and, you know, really be a leader in the, in the vocal sense, uh, in the pound and, and stuff like that. And uh, those guys just made it easy on us. You know, the freshmen were super willing to learn and, Obviously, it's it's not a surprise that they had such such success as freshmen. Yeah, I mean, you got to give credit to both Grevy and Boone. Uh, they came in ready to work, uh, really advanced maturity as freshmen. Uh, very like low egos, like they neither of them like need the spotlight. They really, I mean, I, I give a ton of credit to both of them. They're both exceptional baseball players and, and people, really. Um, but they made our job easy. Like, yeah, we, we were definitely able to, you know, help them and show them the ropes, but they, you know, they, they wanted it. They wanted it from day one and it showed, you know, when we got to the season and they carved. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say both guys, their work ethics were awesome. Like you could uh, just see them in a room and you could easily tell which guys are grinding. Um, but Rod specific, just because he was a starter with Ben and I, is after a game on Saturday, Rod would come up to me and kind of just say, like, hey, what worked for you? Like, what do you think of this hitter? You know, ask some questions every now and then. And most of the time, you know, I'd give him tips every now and then, like maybe a specific hitter, you know, some specific tip. But for the most part, I would always tell him, dude, just go be Rodney tomorrow because he is just that good of a pitcher that, you know, whatever – and this is what I was saying earlier, like what Ben specializes in may be different than what I specialize in. And the same went for Rodney. It was I, – I could give him advice, but he was just such a competitor and such a great pitcher that he almost didn't even need it. And you really saw – you really saw, especially with Rodney, uh, his trajectory where – Throughout the season, you know, he's built, he's gaining steam, learning the process, and then learning from us on each day. And then it comes to that last weekend of the year where we're playing Cal Poly, and both Dash and me don't get the job done. You know, we need one win. And we're like, okay, well, like, of course, like, probably me or Dash are going to get the win. We both got, like, double-digit wins on the year. Doesn't happen. And then Rodney steps up, steps up to the plate, and delivers, I mean, the, probably the best performance, pitching performance I've ever seen live at the biggest stage, I mean, imaginable for us. And it was, it was really amazing. It was the culmination of a, of a lot of hard work and a lot of learning. And 
you know, it was, it was amazing for all of us. Right. That was hands down, hands down the best pitching performance I've seen live. I mean, I've gone to the, gone to MLB games, but nothing more heroic than a freshman putting in eight and a third in the big West championship game, 12 Ks and, and winning the first championship in 33 years. I mean, it was out of a movie. The, the Cesar Osaka was the most packed I'd ever seen. There was a, there was no better way to culminate that 2019 regular season. In my opinion, I just, I don't, I don't think there would have been a fitting way because of how unique this, the, the whole season was. Yeah. And I, you, you guys beat me to the punch because I, I was going to segue into, into the Cal Poly series because and I, I, I didn't, I didn't really think about it that way, Ben, like, because like my mentality as, as kind of, I'm not a coach, I'm not a player. I'm kind of, you know, on the outside looking in sometimes. And, and I kind of fell into that, that mindset where it's like, okay, we need one Ben or Jack is going to give us one and, and Link's probably going to come in and close it. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And my question was going to be like, what made, and I talked about this a little bit with, with Tommy and Tiro and K Chan and Tevin, but like what made that weekend so difficult? Like what, what do you guys think your minds were? And then what did it mean to you at the end when you're raising the trophy? Yeah. I mean, um, obviously we knew the stakes, you know, we knew what was happening, but I, I can only speak for myself on this. I didn't treat it any differently. I mean, it was, it was another game, uh, but I wasn't preparing any differently. I was just, I was doing what I'd been doing the rest of the season. And, um, you know, I went in and turned in an outing that was like average. I think I went five innings, maybe gave up three. So it wasn't, it wasn't great by any stretch, but um, I didn't feel like I did my job because I, I knew, I, I knew as the, you know, I, I pitched on, on Friday, which was actually the second game of that series. But, you know, we lost the first game and I'm like, we need this win. And I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want it to go to this third game. It's, it's on me. I've been the Friday guy. I've racked up a lot of wins. It's my time to take this over and secure the Big West Championship. And so, in my mind, that performance was not adequate. And then, obviously, we don't end up winning that game, and it goes to the third. And so, yeah, now we got to put trust in a freshman who, yes, has had success, but, you know, it just it, – it was painful to have to – for me to have to turn that over to him because – you know, as as the junior pitcher on that team, as the Friday guy, you know, me and Dash, we wanted to be the guys to make it happen. And it was it was uh, tough for us to let that slip through our fingers. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It definitely was tough. Um, and it was not fun by any means. I would have loved to have been the guy that was getting dogpiled at the end. But um, I think part of the cool thing, though, is when I came out of that game, and I, you know, average outing, nothing special. I still had the feeling like, I mean, one, just because of our relationship with the Cal Poly baseball team. But two, I never gave up hope that we were going to win the next day. And aside, aside from Rodney's spectacular outing, the offense showed up as well. Like, if, if we, if Ben or I had our outings with how – the offense brought it on that last day, I think we would have won. But that's it doesn't matter because it ended up happening on a different day. And so I think that we just had like that last final home game where we were like, you know what? 
this is our turf. We've been punched in the mouth for the last couple of years. Like we're not, you know, step on the gas and don't let up. We're hitting, hitting, we're up to six runs or whatever. And we're still sending guys home. Cause it's like, we're making a statement. We got, you know, I'm not going to go into details, but there, there is some stuff that had happened in the first couple of days where it definitely fired me up. I, I was ready to pitch the following day after some of the stuff that had happened. Um, and it was just amazing to see the whole team come together and basically, you know, throw punch back. Like we were, we were done being everyone's punching bag and it was time to claim the fame that we knew we were capable of. Yeah. And Link, you threw the final punch. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting you, you word it like that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously those, uh, that's, that whole series was, was pretty interesting, but, um, it's, it's safe to say that going into the series, none of us ever thought that it was going to, you know, play out the way that it did because we like, obviously we wanted the big West championship and, in and, and whatnot, but, uh, our mind was set on like, you know, we need, three we need to win all three of these games because we want to host you know we, that was at the time before the series had started we were still you know very very capable of hosting so uh yeah we weren't just thinking about you know we knew we had to win one game to win the big west but we're like we want all three we want to host you know and uh we come out and we drop the first game and it's like okay like this kind of puts a damper on things but who cares like let's win these next two games maybe they'll still think we you know we have enough on our resume to host and then we dropped the next game and it was, it was, it was so weird because genuinely none of like, we did not switch anything up going into the series. We, everybody felt the exact same, like we were playing anybody else. It did not matter. It was Cal Poly. It did not matter. That the Big West championship was online. We were just going to go out there, play our games, you know, do the same thing we've been doing every other series and go out there and we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to handle these guys, especially because it's Cal Poly and straight up, we don't like them. You know, so the the worst part about it is we we dropped the first two games and they're they're of course they're letting us know, you know they're on our field they're letting us know and whatnot. So uh, yeah, once that once that third game came around and uh, checks it came all the way down to the pin and told me they uh, we're gonna we're gonna get you in the game it's gonna be you to finish. Uh, my my mindset was you know focused on all right this is another game like I I have to go out there I gotta get however many outs is asked of me. And I got to finish this game off for us. It doesn't matter how many people in the stands. It doesn't matter what the, uh, you know, what's on the line. I got a job to do. And it's been the same all year. Got to go out there. I have to finish the game when checks, you know, calls me in. And so I, you know, I come in and uh, I just, you know, I, I took a, I took a step back and uh, just kind of soaked it in for a second, you know, cause it was, it was a cool moment. And uh, I just looked up in the stands, looked out in the outfield and was like, all right, like, this is cool. Like, all right, let's go ahead and get this done. And yeah. Uh, I made the last pitch and he, uh, he rolled over and, you know, hit a ground ball to Willow. I turn and he makes the play. And, you know, I just happened to be right in line with their dugout, say a couple things. And yeah, we celebrate. And, and that's that, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. I, 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 I can't complain at the way that, you know, things went down because I was so happy for Rodney, you know, the, the, the weeks prior he had, you know, been scuffling a little bit, but, our hitting was able to pick him up and, you know, he, he, he just came out and, and put it all together and showed that he, you know, he is who we thought he was. And it, you know, it was very, very impressive to watch. And, and 
I just, I'm just happy it just, you know, it all ended out well and, and we won the Big West. That game was so amazing from the outset, too, because it literally came down to the last game of the season against our rival school. <laughs> we dropped the first two games of the series, get the record attendance at Caesar, and then from pitch one, I mean, it, Rodney goes one, two, three, and then we go out and immediately, I mean, we put three runs on the board in the first and just kept piling on, and it was just over. And it was electric, the atmosphere. I mean, that's the best atmosphere I've ever played in, for sure. Um, and, I mean, that was a super special day for uh, for all of us as Gauchos. Some that, I mean, <laughs> I'm a cherish. We'll have the rest of our lives. Yeah, seriously. I think we've, we've covered a lot. And this has been really good. I, I have a couple more questions. And I'll keep it on the lighter side of things to, to finish out. But Dash, you got the well. Let's see, the Gauchos pitched a shutout with no walks, right? In in the middle of the year last year, yeah. (laughs) And and you were rewarded with pitcher batting practice. So before we get to you, who were you most impressed with swinging the bat besides McGreevy because he came in as a two way guy, and we knew he could. Oh wow. But who were you most impressed with swinging the bat as a pitcher? Man, I don't want to hurt any feelings on this one. <laughs> um, oh, I will say we're this now, to we're, start. We're, in. we're now in. No one's listening anymore. So, <laughs> Collectively, the pitchers need work on their swings. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there, there is there, – I think each pitcher was their own hitter in a type of way. I think we had some power hitters, some – some contact guys to get guys over. We had some guys that, uh, you know, like to hit it in the gap. If I'm being honest, I don't really remember everyone else swinging because I was just so concerned of putting one in the tennis court that I wasn't really like paying attention to what everyone else was doing just because I had gone years of explaining my uh, batting practice potential that I was just focused on proving myself. Ben or Link, you have anything to add before? I'm trying to sugarcoat it here. He was the best by about three miles for about ten <laughs> baseballs that he hit. Link was the second best. Shea was the third best, and it's a good thing that I got drafted to an AL team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just happy that we actually got the opportunity because I yeah. never in my time here thought he would ever let us take pitches, pitches batting practice, but. When we got the opportunity, boy, did we take full advantage. Because I don't know about you guys, but I was geared up with the gloves and the I had four guards on, and oh, I was taking advantage. KC. Well, I was I was pitching, and it's a good BP. Man, I was serving it up to Jack. I mean, you put you were putting them in the trees. You were hit. You were putting them into the transformer area. I don't know if you made it down the line and it bounced into the tennis courts, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. <laughs> but you easily put 10, 10 out, and it was a show. And I'll never forget that. I thought that was one of the best moments of the year, hundred percent. There was some legitimate conversation after that happened about putting him in the lineup. Like that should tell you about like pinch hitting him. Like that should tell you all you need to know after having not hit at all in college. He got the start. He got the start against Riverside. You remember that? All right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I had pee running down my spot. pants when I saw I was starting at first. <laughs> I was like, dude, if I see a, pit, a pitch above 85, and if I see one that moves, this ain't going to work well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Max, do you have any more questions for these gentlemen while we have them on the Zoom? You know, uh, I I just love I love hanging out with these guys outside of the pod. So I'm, I'm going to ask them whatever I got when I see them next. But uh, it, it's been a ton of fun and uh, really a, a pleasure seeing you guys. Chris Lincoln, I'm in Santa Barbara. I'm going to come around. I'm going to say what's up to you. Um, the hyphen, Big Benji, so much fun. You know what? I do have something that I wanted to add. 2019 UCSB Baseball is the single best nickname team I've ever covered. We have so many <laughs> – Good nicknames on this team. Uh, let me run through a couple of my favorites real quick before this pod is over. Ben Ferris is the Ferris wheel. Uh, Chris Troy is the fountain, the fountain of Troy. Um, Jack Dashwood is the hyphen. Chris Lincoln, Honest Abe. Tommy Jew, the glue. Um, Kevin Mitchell and Armani Smith, Thunder and Lightning. Uh, we, had, we had so many good ones, and uh, it was so much fun covering this team last year. So, um, yeah, just, just a pleasure getting to know these guys and uh, hopping on this pod as we're all graduating right now. It's special to me. So thanks for the opportunity, Kev. I think you're doing a rocking job. Much love to you as well. And uh, great seeing everybody. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Max. I love the nicknames. And Chris, Ben, and Jack, if you have an open forum, if there's anything you want to say, uh, if you want to thank anybody or shout out anybody, this is your opportunity right here. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us on the pod. I, Kelt, I agree. This is a great time to get together uh, right as we're all graduating about a year after all this went down. This has re really been a pleasure reminiscing about all these great memories. So thanks. Thanks for this opportunity, Kev. Yeah, Casey, man, I really appreciate uh, having us on here. Kelt, you know, it's always good to talk to you, my mans. And uh Dash and Benji. Can't wait to get back to work with you boys. I feel the same way. This was definitely uh, fun to go down a trip down memory lane, but mm -hmm. it uh, makes me excited for the new experiences that we're going to have in the future. Um, but it's definitely fun to dwell on the past. But this has been awesome. <laughs> All right. Well said. Okay. So that's, that's Jack Dashwood, Ben Brecht, Chris Lincoln, and my co hosts. For this episode of the Gotcha 9 podcast, Max Kelton. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys later. This was fun. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. See you guys thank later. You. See you guys. All right, big thanks to our friends over at Kyle's Kitchen, and a big thanks to our guests today, Max Kelton, Jack Dashwood, Ben Breck, Chris Lincoln, and good luck to... Max, he's moving on. He's going to be calling games on the radio this summer for the Santa Barbara Foresters, who are going to be having a condensed summer schedule, but they'll be playing a lot of games over at Pershing Park with no fans, so you're going to have to tune in to Max Kelton to get all of the action for the Foresters. So that'll be good. Um, I'll probably tune in for a handful of those just to, to keep me sane. Um, hopefully Jack, Ben, and Chris have some kind of season or some kind of plan for them where they get some work in now that MLB is going to be having a season. So hopefully they are able to at least pitch and do something productive before the summer ends. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. We aren't really sure what's going to happen with the minor leagues, but 
uh, hopefully we, we get some news and they can do something to move themselves forward in their careers as pitchers. But my biggest takeaway from this conversation and, and watching these guys' careers was their willingness to open up and admit their faults early on in their careers as gauchos. And I mean, that's a tough thing to do to admit when you're wrong or you're, or you're, were unwilling to really learn and buy in. And they're listening to them talk about their, you know, taking ownership of themselves as leaders and admitting to their faults, recognizing that each and every one of them had a role to play and that they had trust in one another and their teammates and that each guy would step up in their own way. And this hearing them talking about that really is really gratifying for a coach or someone who's involved in a program where you see them come in as 18-year-olds and then you watch them graduate as great teammates, great human beings, great men, and they're moving on to do uh, bigger and better things. And all of them are very well-spoken, and I look forward to talking to more gauchas in the future. So that's all I have to say, and that's all that we got for this pod this week. We'll talk to you next week here on the Gaucho 9 podcast. So stay safe, keep doing me in social distance, keep, keep me in smart, and uh, keep trying to learn new things. So uh, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>